0: Hey everybody, welcome back to the Song Capture Podcast. My name is Chris Clayton, I'm your host. Thanks so much for joining us today. We have an amazing episode, and I know I say that every time, but today is truly something special. We have my friend, Michael Farron. Michael is really more than a friend. He's been a worship pastor of mine. He's been a worship mentor of mine, a songwriting mentor of mine, a publisher of mine. He's worn many hats in my life, and more than anything, he has just been a great friend who's helped me on my songwriting and worship pastor journey. So I'm excited to sit down with him today. On today's episode, we talk about the song story behind Let It Rain, written by Michael. This song has been around for many, many years, has impacted the church in huge ways, has been cut by numerous artists, including Michael W. Smith, and has impacted uh, like no other and michael even tells a couple stories of true life change because of this song we also talk about songwriting culture in the church we talk about what makes a great worship song we talk about his songwriting process that's kind of birthed out of spontaneity but more than that it's birthed out of just confidence and getting started in the room so grab some pen and paper as i always say take some notes listen to this a couple times there's a lot of gold I'm excited about digging into it. If you haven't already, go over to mysongcapture.com. That's mysongcapture.com. Check out the demo production packages that we have available. If you're a worship pastor or a worship writer that needs a great demo for a song, we would love to serve you guys in that area. Save 10% by using the promo code TAKE10. That's T-A-K-E, the number 10. And again, that saves you 10% on your very first demo. All right, let's not stall any further. Let's get into my conversation with Michael Farron. Good morning, Mr. Farron. Good morning, Mr. Clayton. <laughs> you sound nice and lovely this morning. It's my, it's my Barry White, Barry White morning. Thanks for doing this. Of course. Um, those may be listening may not know how much of a history we have.
1: We've got one. We got and it's,
0: one. And it's 90%
1: good, which is a great. <laughs> I'd say 95. 95. I'll, I'll go, there, I'll go there. It's 95.
0: And the other five wasn't that bad. <laughs> No, We're totally just making this crap up Yeah uh, Those that are listening uh, we uh, Michael and I have known each other I, I, well over a decade Oh yeah, at least uh, At least, maybe 12, 13 I've known of you for 20 years Sure, probably. we met through a mutual friend, Matt Coleman Matt Coleman I don't know if he's listening, but if you are If hey, Matt. he doesn't listen to your podcast, we both can scold him <laughs> Show some love, brother so, Matt Coleman introduced us way back in the day, at his wedding, actually. That's right. Yeah, I was at his wedding, and you and the rest of the pocket guys mm-hmm. and gal. And gal. Can't forget, can't forget the gal. Um, and then we just kind of kept in touch throughout the years, and one day, you called me out of the blue and said, hey, I'm starting a publishing company. You want to be a part of it? <laughs> and I said, what's that all about? <laughs> and that set on my journey, kind of what got me into this town, mm-hmm. so... Um, won't really get into that story if you want to hear that story i told it in episode number one so you can go back to there and listen not we'll, we won't bore you with that one but um thanks for doing this today this is yeah. this is fun uh so we're both texas natives god bless it what do you miss about texas the food yeah the family yeah uh some of them i'm kidding
1: <laughs>
0: the food for sure we don't have good tex-mex here in nashville we do not or texas barbecue no we do not um Yeah, and I don't miss the heat right about now. I don't
1: miss the heat, no. I've been here 16 years or so. Uh, I don't miss... I like being able to sit on my back patio and it dropped to at least seventy degrees at night. So oh, Texas, so you sit on your back patio at ten at night, and it's still ninety degrees. And that's funny you
0: say that because Kara will literally pull up the weather app and go, "It's a hundred and two at home right now." <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, like nine o'clock at night. So, anyway, um, yeah, we miss we miss Texas barbecue. We miss Texas Mex. Um, that's about it. No, no just, <laughs> and family. I can't. I have to say, family. All of our families. I'm up. really proud
1: of, of being a you know. A Texas-born native. I yeah. always tell people, even my daughters. I'm like, I'm glad they have a Texas birth certificate yeah. and a Nashville worldview.
0: <laughs> that's good. The, I got to remember that yeah, one.
1: A Texas good. birth certificate, Nashville worldview. It makes for a pretty balanced, yeah, yeah, you know, individual. So yeah. I'm really grateful that you know we're. I, I I'm funny in that I never wanted to come to Nashville though. Like right. that was not my. You know, a lot of people. I got to get to Nashville. And yeah, that was. No, I was very content where I was in Texas, and, and me coming
0: here all those years ago was really out of the blue. Like I kind of got drug through the back door of it, so. Well, tell me your, tell me the story for the, tell me, you know, where you came from, born, raised. Yeah. Well, and then kind of what led you to songwriting here in Nashville?
1: Well, as we've established, born and raised in Texarkana, Texas. But um, I mean, I'm my dad's a pastor. My grandfather was a pastor. So I've been in ministry of some capacity since I was in my late teens. Um, I'm 48. Uh, so since I've since I was nineteen or so, I've been doing something with worship or whatever at churches. Um, only two years, two full years in my adult life, have I not been on staff at a church in some in some capacity. Mm-hmm. Um, waving my arm and leading hymns in a little Baptist church on the Arkansas side of Texarkana at twenty two, uh, I discovered worship. Music, very radical stuff like "As the Deer Pants for the Water," <laughs> and I started leading it at this little Baptist church that did not go over well. Nothing against the Baptists, right? I still consider myself a Baptist, yes. Costal,
0: yeah,
1: Baptist yeah. Baptist and so. But that little church was not ready for it. And when you're young, you kind of push the buttons you shouldn't. There's a lot of pride there, and I kept, I, I guess the, the proverbial, uh, uh, you know, the thing that broke the camel's back was when I kept singing the songs and then I went into the classroom and rolled out an overhead transparency machine and shot the words on the wall in the sanctuary on a Sunday morning. That seemed to be the thing that blew it all to pieces. So for those
0: that don't know what a transparency yes. machine is, mm-hmm. maybe go Google <laughs> 90s worship transparency <laughs> machine and be amazed at what we had to use back then. day. <laughs>
1: well needless to say I got voted out and the crazy charismatic church down the street took me in and I I had I had really started to come alive in our relationship with with Jesus and you know, we, podcast for you for other days, you know, just I had discovered uh, there'd been an awakening. I'll just put it that way in me. I was no longer satisfied with status quo church. The Holy Spirit was doing something pretty miraculous in my in my heart in my life and a lot of transformation taking place and a real hunger for the presence of the Lord, like to, for, hungry for those moments of, People pressing into that, and, uh, I end, and I ended up at this crazy charismatic church. And when I say crazy, I mean just in their expression, they knew no bounds in the best way. They were very grounded, very balanced, and you know, just in that respect, it was a solid, safe church. But they had definitely shattered all of the um, all of the uh, religious mm-hmm. uh, filters and parameters that is typical Sunday morning twenty five years ago. Yeah. And um, I would end up leading worship. Well, they asked me, hey, would you come lead worship? I would show up and there's you know, 150, 200 teenagers or college students all crammed in a room and and I'd never seen anything like it. They were going for it. And I very quickly would run out of songs. Mm -hmm. So people have asked me before, how'd you become a songwriter? And I literally say out of necessity Mm -hmm. because I found myself standing on stages uh, running out of songs and they were not done yet. They were still praying, still going and hungry to go. And I didn't know what else to do except make something up real fast. Yeah. But it was more than make something up. I, I started learning very quickly how to read the move of the Spirit in the room. Mm-hmm. And um, and I would kind of grab the language that was swirling around in the prayers and then in, in the atmosphere and, and I would sing them back and they would grab it and go because it was authentic to the room. Yeah, And that's kind
0: of how I got started in all of this. Yeah, so I mean... Talk, we we just talked about this yesterday. We, uh, how you used to do that with Pocket, and how you. So we were we were sitting here with Salel the other day, and you, and 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 Todd was like, Hey, you know, tell me what you used to do in terms of like. You didn't have a set list, yeah. I mean, that, that's kind of what you were known for, kind of in the pocket days. Yeah. So From a songwriting side, how did that work for you? I mean, just well. I mean, after
1: I came alive to that, I really enjoyed that, and then I had a band around me that was amazing. Like yeah. They could turn on a dime. They they would follow me wherever I went. They weren't scared. We were fearless. Uh, well, we we grew into being fearless. I mean, yeah. I was petrified the first <laughs> time I didn't have a song to sing and had to you know start trying to just seeing out what I thought God was trying to do in a room but we got we actually became before it was over with pretty fearless in our approach to that way of leading worship and I'm not saying that's the best or better right. way I'm just saying it's it's one needed way of operating in certain kinds of moments when with certain initiatives and people groups and so that's what we ended up being around a lot and so before it was over with yes pocket full of rocks at at our in our stride uh We literally were known for walking onto a stage. And every song in that night I would have written from scratch. Mm-hmm. And nobody ever knew because Lonnie, yeah. uh, our, our our amazing road manager for Stint, she, she knew us so well that she would sit in the sound booth with with a laptop and she knew when I had locked something in firmly and it ended up on the screen. She was typing the lyrics wow. in real time as we're writing them on the stage in real time and the people generally never knew. And story, maybe story for another day, it'd be too long today. I mean, part of my, well, the quick version would be, I got very confident in that. As a matter of fact, I have confessed before, probably got prideful in that to the degree that I started to think that any other form of worship was less than. Mm-hmm. And then I got to Nashville, the place I wasn't trying to come to anyway, and I got my butt kicked by real songwriters. And the last 16 years have been me figuring out how to marry together this this love of spontaneity with the stewardship of putting your nose down and making sure you craft great songs. Yeah. And getting my butt kicked by great and better songwriters for the last 16 years is the best thing that ever happened to me. So Sure.
0: Yeah. Well, normally I say the song story for the end, but I think this is a great place to put it. So because Let It Rain has yeah. been a song that kind of started a long, this, this long journey of you being here in Nashville and the success you've had as a songwriter, but it wasn't even something you were looking for. In fact, they had to track you down <laughs> to yeah. even kind of get it. So I'd love for you to tell that. I mean, I've heard this story a ton and I always love just how how it all kind of panned out, but would you tell the story behind Let It Rain and how that all, because yeah. it's, it's very similar to how this all, what you just talking about, spontaneity of writing. And then little did you know that the song would literally go around the world and and more, so. Yeah, well, um,
1: yeah, back to the crazy charismatic church, the yeah. same, same exact location with the same amazing bunch of college students and teenagers. Um, when I had stuck my toe in the waters of, I've got to learn to be spontaneous with this kind of move, there was one particular night where you know a couple of hundred teenagers and college students, without being prompted, in the middle of worship, all began to kneel down or lay on the floor and weep. And it became this really, you know, I hope, hopefully we've all experienced what, what I would call holy, super holy moments where mm-hmm. there's like, you know, my grandpa or my dad would say there was a holy hush that settled over. <laughs> and it's that's a great way to say it, I yeah. guess. There's a hush. It's like a reverence and a holiness settles in a room, and everybody's almost scared to move. And there's just this mumbling of prayers being lifted. I didn't know what to do. Literally, I just got down. I took my guitar off and laid down on the stage. Mm. David Rollins, he was off the drums and I mean, everybody was just hushed. And it probably wasn't more than a few minutes. Felt like forever in a good way. Yeah. And then, man, um, that moment, David started banging on the drums. But he, well, it was started banging. He started coming in subtly with this beat, just playing this heartbeat, throbby kind of beat. And I, got up and out flew, let it rain. Wow. And we moved on with our business. I mean, it was a big moment in that moment. I mean, before it was over, they're all standing up one by one and singing it. And, yeah. and you felt it for sure. Like, okay, we, we actually probably captured a moment here, mm-hmm. did it again the next week, and the next week, and then other churches started doing it. And then we started doing it out on the road. Then I let it at a big, huge event, uh, in, uh, 2001, uh, and uh two thousand, and then uh let me think here, let it at a huge event. Um, <laughs> there were half a million people on the mall in washington d c for a thing called the call, mm-hmm. and we let it, we were supposed to lead for twenty minutes. it turned into two hours, wow, off script. We we kept trying to leave the stage, and the, the leaders kept saying, "No, you got to sing it again." More more aptly, they said, "Sing it again," because it, <laughs> it was Lou Engel, and he was just yelling, "Sing it again." And two hours of Let It Rain and people laying in the mud because it actually rained. Mm. And then I didn't realize that Michael W. Smith was sitting in the audience. Never spoke to him, never talked to him came back to Texas, went about my business. And a year later, I'm sitting in Luby's cafeteria with my wife and my razor flip phone, <laughs> flip, <laughs> flip phone lit up. I opened it and <clears throat> it might even been earlier than that. Yeah. My razor might even been out then. Uh, my, my mobile device yeah. lit up and I didn't recognize the number. I answered it with a mouthful of macaroni. That's a true, true statement. <laughs> um, and this guy said, Hey, this is Michael W. Smith. Do you have a minute to talk? And I, I literally laughed and looked at my wife and shrugged my shoulders and said, sure. And this voice started talking. Well, I thought it was David, the drummer, because he would always <laughs> prank call me. His favorite thing was like to pretend like he was Stephen Curtis Chapman. And he would call me from like a block number or whatever and be like, hey, this is Stephen Curtis Chapman. I just want to tell you I love your music. Because Stephen was my hero back then. Yeah. And uh, I thought it was David. And about 45 seconds in, I went, oh, crap. It's really him. And the story simply is that... Um, that day he sat there in the audience felt that moment a year a, a year later he did his first worship album but they couldn't find me then nobody knew where i was or like, cuz we were not that big of a deal at the time yeah. and uh, i got that phone call and he says i just wanted we've had we've had the you know we've had a real tough time trying to track you down and he said i just wanted to be the first to call you and tell you thank you for that song i put it on my new worship album it's a, it's a big moment and it comes out next week <laughs> and that album released on September 11th as the planes were crashing into buildings oh, yeah. that album was being stocked on store shelves wow and so it was a pretty crazy like catalyst of um yeah i, I mean i only god yeah no no publisher. you can't script that no no publishers that good no 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 record labels that brilliant yeah god just in his sovereignty printed a moment, and you know I look back now, and I—I mean I am—I'm sitting here with you today, where we're even sitting, Mm -hmm. because of a moment, uh, birthed with a bunch of you know Jesus loving teenagers, yeah, uh, and the songwriters, you know, songwriters heart, you know, captured the moment, and all these years later, we're sitting here having coffee and talking about it.
0: Amazing. Have you heard any stories over the years of, I mean, how that's been an impact? Uh, I know of one you should tell, but I want to see what you, what you say. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's, I, I literally, it sounds, it
1: sounds crazy. I couldn't, I couldn't possibly remember yeah. all the stories I've been told, the emails I've been sent. It's, it's bizarre stuff. I mean, they sang the song at Nelson Mandela's funeral yep, yep. and like, I didn't know, like nobody ever knows. That's the thing. The song has been cut every year since it was written literally and i never know ever yeah i've never known pre somebody like another artist cutting let it rain i've never known before that they were going to cut it wow ever Mm -hmm. i didn't know the bishop paul s morton cut it i didn't know jesus culture cut it just this year i didn't i didn't know that uh jeremy riddle was putting in on his latest thing and and (laughs) stay tuned for the 25th of this september of this year because it's getting dropped again and it'll be a real surprise! this version of it i cannot say anything yeah. about who the artist is just yet but just let's just say that let it rain being dropped by another major artist this month is the most different version of it you will have ever heard <laughs> <laughs> and one of my favorites when i when i heard it for the first time i, I literally stood up out of my chair and started laughing and then could not wait t- to call my my daughters and Say y'all have got to come hear this. You got cooler all of a sudden. I did. I got way cooler. (laughs) Uh, So I'll have to say, but probably the most recent story that makes me—I don't know. End of last year. um, I guess it means a lot on a number of levels uh, because of the initial move of prayer and intercession that Pocket Full of Rocks was a part of with Lou Engle, The Call mm-hmm. and all that. That's that's morphed into a number of other things and, and morphed into uh, one of those arms. It morphed into something called The Send. Yeah. And that the one at the end of last year mm-hmm. in Orlando, uh, Jeremy Riddle uh, was on stage and I didn't know anything about this. Uh, they ended up leading Let It Rain and uh, I found out later that it, that was propagated by the audience as well. Wow. It was not on it was not on Jeremy's set list, and uh, he the audience went for it. And um, but here here's the crazier story. I didn't know that event. You know, I I mean I'm a little out of the loop of all that stuff now, and didn't know any of that was going on. I had no idea there was a stadium full of people in Orlando singing it. Yeah. In De- that, so that happened, I think, in, I don't know, it was in the fall. And then at the very end of that year, my daughter, Micah, flew to the West Coast. Have you heard this story? I don't think I have. So my daughter, Micah, flies to the West Coast. She goes to Temecula for a wedding. Uh-huh. Uh, I, I don't know how this happened, but she's got a tight friend group from here in Franklin, Tennessee. And one of the friends from here in Franklin, Tennessee was getting married in Temecula. Huh. So all these Franklin you know, college students load up and go to Temecula for this wedding. My daughter, Micah, as I recall it, she texts me. She goes, hey, look at this. And she sends me a photo of someone's arm and a tattoo that just said, let it rain. Oh, wow. Longitude and long, longitude, and latitude underneath it. Let it rain on, a, on like a forearm. Huh. And I was like, well, that's cool. And what's that about? And she's like, you're not going to believe it. I'll have to call you later. And I was like, okay. She calls me later. She's like, I got randomly seated next to this girl from the West Coast who I don't know till that moment we sat at a table at this wedding, mutual friends you know, of this wedding. And she goes, I guess she looked and saw she had Let It Rain on her arm mm-hmm. and asked her about it. And then the girl says, oh my gosh, yes, it's like, <laughs> it's like my favorite song. Oh my gosh. She goes, uh, I've been in a wheelchair since I was 15. I'm 20, I think she's 23. She said, I've been in a wheelchair, um, severe issues uh, since she was 15. She went to that conference in Orlando uh-huh. and in the middle in the middle of them singing let it rain it started raining of course <laughs> as it tends to do evidently um, she said and god miraculously healed me and then then this video footage went viral of this girl dancing in the rain with her wheelchair above her head oh my goodness like it's a crazy moment and like like you can look it up it's yeah. pretty crazy and tells my daughter this story he's like are you kidding me so she gets a hold of me tells me the story and uh um uh, fast forward then 4 months after that that girl came to franklin for another wedding and i got to sit at the table with oh, her wow. and meet her in person and 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 so that's just one that's a that's a reason wow. but it's one of those things where the whole point of that is to, is just me saying it's i i get to tag my name on a song but it's so far out of anything yeah i could it's obviously not a michael farron strength of making something happen i've just held on for dear life as that song is you know hurled through two decades now Mm -hmm. and couldn't make that happen again for anything because it didn't make it happen the first time and and that's just the most recent story that's really that really moved me and um lindy connect the circuit Mm writers yeah she and i have connected this year she was on stage and she confirmed Uh, We were writing recently and she confirmed, she goes, I was standing there and the crowd started singing it. And she says, everything in me was going, please, Jeremy, run with this, run with this, please do it, do it. She said, I wasn't sure he was going to do it. And then he just leaned into it and they went for it. And it ended up on this new project of his this year. So, wow. So yeah, there's, there's a lot we could say in it. It's just, it's the, it's the, um, it's a touch point in my life of just me. I go back to that. I don't talk about it that often. I talk about when I'm asked or when I'm yeah. teaching or something. Yeah, <clears throat> I go back to it on the days where I think that God has completely, you know, lost control of mm-hmm. me mm-hmm. or has. Uh, I can go back to it and go, no, he he kind of still making things happen, whether I feel like he is or not, because he's kind of done that
0: for the last twenty years of my life anyway. Yeah. So yeah well, we could just stop right there and go home if you want to. <laughs> That's amazing. I, had, I did not know that story. I yeah. knew Micah went out to that wedding. She told me about that yeah. when she was, yeah, but she failed to tell me the rest of the story. Yeah, oh, so. the other
1: part too was that girl gave her life to Jesus for the first time during Let It Rain when she was 16. Oh my gosh. So twice that song and that one girl's life impacted in such a way that it started, that she started, started her relationship with Jesus yeah. during, that, during a moment with that song and then stood up out of a wheelchair. You know, yeah, in the pouring rain. Wow, so amazing. Yeah, and it's been years of that. Like stories sure. that just go. Uh, the Nelson Mandela
0: one, I literally laid in the floor and wept. Yeah, I just laid in the floor and went. I well, okay. I remember that. I think I may have even texted you too. I know you got a slew of yeah. text from people going. Yeah, uh, turn on your TV. <laughs> yeah. You need to hear this.
1: Uh, one, one other quick one, just yeah. real short. My mother sent me a link years ago, and I wish I, I wish I could find it. And I wish I'd have kept up with it. But she sent me a link, and it was uh, a violinist. In like Palestine,
0: Hmm.
1: like obviously sitting right in the middle of um, a Muslim nation, playing Let It Rain. Like, sitting in a obviously a a small, like, cinder block room with a violin, just him and a violin playing Let It Rain. And that that one did
0: me too. I know the answer to this song to this story, uh, or a question, I should say. Uh, what's the Michael Farron songwriting process? Oh, wow. Because I, I, I th- I'll tell you what I love about it is you bring the spontane- spontaneity yeah. into even the writing room. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen you multiple times sit at a piano and just propel out a verse and a chorus, and it's effortless. So what, 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 what attributes that?
1: Um, I, I think
0: there is a bit of
1: the fearlessness that was, that was. Um, Kind of that we the fearlessness that we grew into as a band and myself as a writer years ago, definitely impacts you know the way I approach songs now. Yeah, and I'm I'm not saying this is the way. Sure, I'm just I will make the statement and you know I teach a lot about songwriting and stuff. And it and for the most part, most people just overthink.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: We we it's like we flip a switch in our brains when we decide let's I'm going to write a song today. It's like you sit down, you get your coffee, you get your guitar, and you get all your pens and papers in order on the desk and Mm -hmm. you take a deep breath and you flip the switch to become a songwriter and I just know that it's so backwards and wrong. It's almost like I revert backwards from it. It's like when I sit down at a piano or I grab a guitar, I don't... I just... I I'm fearless in just spitting out whatever is happening, mm-hmm. whatever's in my heart, whatever's in my head, whatever's happening around me. I will spit it out. Sometimes it's funny. Some, most of the time it's crap, <laughs> but it always is moving towards something. And yeah. for most people, it's just a simple thing to get moving towards something. Right. Just start moving. Just mm-hmm. do it. And I, there's a, I think by far uh, the if there is a bit of. Um, uh me, me not hesitating has mattered Yeah. in the rooms in this town especially now you balance that with not being a bully in the room Sure. And, you, and I hope most people who've ever been around me would say no he's not a bully in the room just because I can move very fast and start six ideas oh you don't like that approach we'll try this approach I never hold on to any of them and I generally always say in the, in the right especially with somebody that's unfamiliar with You know, me in a a room, I generally always will say, Hey, I'm not holding on to any of this, but here's something maybe to get us started. So, you know, my encouragement for people listening to this, songwriters listening to this, would be stop hesitating. Yeah. Just move. But I promise you'll get where you're going if you'll just start. You're you're self, most, most people are internally editing, they're self editing inside their head before they'll ever spit anything out. Mm-hmm. Especially in co writes, with a whole that's a whole nother subject. Yeah. And it's like, stop self editing, start something, get something started, because that's what motivates the next line, the next note. Um, and that's 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 I know that's very generalized, but start, yeah. I you know, just,
0: yeah, start. no, that's, that's
1: good. The process for that's... me is start, yeah, yeah. You build tracks when you write, is mm-hmm. that, is that is sometimes, that, is that always, yeah? I was gonna say, is that... Sometimes I, I've learned you know you and myself and others Mm -hmm. who do this on a daily Mm -hmm. we've learned when it's necessary when it's not and sometimes it's necessary to not yeah so the most impact i have on us well the most the most excitement i have around a song right now uh in country world of all things um was a song that i wrote with a couple of guys a few weeks ago and um and (laughs) it's called let me be your whiskey (laughs) and uh And it's two two great writers, uh, 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 Tyler Flowers and Cheyenne Metters, and we were writing, and I had this idea, and I threw it out there, and we all jumped in and wrote this thing, and I said, well, let me get this on my, let me get this quick work tape. You guys, you know, we we were at the end of the day, and they they were going to leave, and I was like, let me just get a phone thing of this real fast. Well, it's very like, it's very uh, roots Americana slow. And we just, Shine and Todd are both great guitar players, and we're all standing around, and we play it. They're, they're, you know, playing along with me. And then we get to the course, and they jump into harmonies on the yeah. course. And we get to the end of it. I'm like, no, that's a moment in a room. That sounded amazing. It felt real live. It felt like three dudes singing 3 part harmonies on a song that's, you know, uh, this this person begging another person to put down a bottle and let them be the you know yeah the thing that they're looking for right and um I knew instantly that's how that's going to my publisher and sure enough, yeah she uh, she heard it and was like, uh oh, yeah let's let's work on this one yeah yeah, so um and but other times I know I'm not even good I'm not even gonna get a listen if I don't put a beat behind it. Right. And, yeah. You know, and, and that's in pop world too. You you tend to, if you're dealing with a lot of pop stuff, you kind of got to build some skeleton there. Mm-hmm. And then even that, you can't go too far because if you're not producing it, right? some other producers, you know, going to, you know, you're wasting your time. Right. So it, I don't know. There's all these variables you just kind of have to learn. Yeah. Quite honestly, you, you know better in that world than I do probably of just nuances in, in that especially because I am a little more prone to just get a great big, overwhelming vocal on an iphone and right hope that works yeah <laughs> so,
0: yeah <laughs> how often or not and, and you may not know the answer to this but have work tapes one out over a demo or vice versa on cuts that you've got? uh i would say it's at least half mm-hmm. if not more yeah
1: like because i know some p- publishers prefer that yeah or, it's, or i tend to do a lot of super i'll do an actual <laughs> demo but i'll leave it just clean acoustic Right. vocal or clean piano vocal I won't right. do anything else to it I'll just get it super clean yeah I've got a I'm like that that tends at least it seems the world I'm moving in right now and a lot of it depends on who's listening sure Your, the A&R's that are going to hear it or the publishers how they prefer mm-hmm. it sometimes the guys can hear through that and sometimes they can't yeah. yeah fortunately I'm in a situation where the publishers I'm around can hear through you know yeah iPhone work tapes yep. and they know it's a, if, if you can move them with an iPhone work tape right.
0: then you've got something yeah I agreed. so Shifting gears a smidge, uh, I've heard you talk a bazillion times, and I love it uh, about songwriting culture within the church, within the local church. Um, I know we have a lot of worship pastors that listen who 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 love writing songs for their church, but um, they want to get out. They want to get that culture started within their church. How how, how does one begin that in their church? Uh, uh, I, mean, I know that's a long answer, probably. Yeah, but it is. It's, I mean. You,
1: you and I both. That's that's multi layered. Yeah. <clears throat> Interesting. It's interestingly enough. I think probably where I would start with it today is because uh, you, you're specifically saying how do you start that culture? Yeah. Um, well, one, you got to model that culture. And I assume if you want to start it, then you're probably in some way are modeling. Right. You're know, already mm-hmm. introducing some songs, or people know that you're at least attempting to do that. Um, you know, I probably I probably used to. When I want to say used to, even in the last year and through the years, you know, my approach on it would have been, you know, figure out who all the songwriters or the potential songwriters in your room, in your church would be and mm-hmm. gr- invite them to coffee. Get them to just get them to coffee and sh- share your heart about songs. And I would probably tighten down on that a little bit now and go, be very prayerful about the ones you invite. Yeah. Uh, for sure. Uh, you know, be approach even who you might potentially start a culture with, approach that incredibly wise and prayerfully. Mm-hmm. Um, But if you feel like this is something you want to do, open your eyes, be prayerful, look around and go, God, who should I invite to coffee? And start with coffee and not a song. Like like, if you want community writing songs, maybe start over coffee. Um, And on the other side of that too, I think some of you, um, you know, songwriters tend to, you know, here at Gateway all these years, Mm -hmm. you know, we've drawn because we're a staff of songwriters, well, songwriters come to our church, you know, yeah. you know honey draws flies, I guess, and kind <laughs> of thing. Well, but but also I've known through the years, and you know this, There's there's been that person who sat kind of close to the back on the left side, who it turns out later, we found out was actually a really legit songwriter who yeah. never lifted their hand and said a word. Mm-hmm. Or that one in the back who always wanted to, who has a tremendous gift for it and was never gonna approach me. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's happened too. Yeah. We discover it. So, don't look in the obvious places. Sure. Be, be be prayerful about who you invite in, but don't always just look in the obvious places because there's probably somebody setting in your context that you didn't even know yeah. had an ability and and a, and the desire to do that. And it, it might it might blow your mind for sure.
0: So. Yeah, that's good. Uh, Song tribe, mm. I want to talk about that a little bit. Yeah, um, you've. I wouldn't be sitting here unless. I came to the very first kingdom songs, I think 2011, in this house, mm-hmm. we've talked about that before. Mm-hmm. So your your heart for um, training up songwriters in the worship world is is massive, I know that. Um, and I know it's morphed in different ways and different looks over the years, but I know you're in this season with Song Tribe, you're, you're paring it down to this kind of very intimate f- feel. Um, talk about kind of, yeah, your your heart behind tribe and all that stuff. Yeah,
1: well, you've been a part of Kingdom songs yeah. since it's since I had it yeah. at least, and even back when Wisdom and I yeah. you was know, still carrying it. So, and I love that so much, mm-hmm. and that's not going away. It's just not the season for it right. right now, as far as the gathering of forty or more. Sure, I love the vibe of that, but really out of necessity, the end of last year, um, um, you uh, you know like. Uh, Erica, who had held you know Kingdom yeah. songs together, took took a real job, yeah. <laughs> which we're really glad she did. Yeah. <laughs> she took a real job. You were slam busy. The, I was in you know the uh, you know crazy season last year, and so it, it was like for the first time we didn't have a team to pull yeah. off a of Kingdom songs. Mm-hmm. So when I when I started going, well, I'm just going to cancel it. I realized we've got a few that's already <laughs> registered already. Right. So I literally made the phone call and on the fly on the phone conversation with one of them. I said, well, you know what? Would you be open? To coming to my house, mm-hmm. and I'm just going to maybe take the six of you, and I'll I'll fix really good meals or take you out to really nice places to eat, and we'll sit around for two days and write songs. And I got a unanimous yes. We'll yeah. do that. And man, it was pretty incredible what happened because yeah. got you got I got we got the, I called Jesse Reeves and mm-hmm. he he flew in, and so that first song tribe the end of last year took six people. They came to my house. They they flew into town. They got they went to their hotels. They showed up at my house though on a Thursday morning and we hung out, laughed, cut up, got to know each other, and we talked all the same content of, you know, us me and Jesse and I teaching and all the same stuff we would have had, you know, done at a Kingdom Songs. We just did it over coffee in my kitchen. Yeah. Then we broke out, you know, three people upstairs with me and three people downstairs with Jesse. And and the songs that came out of those two days, Mm -hmm. I I walked, I I finished those two days going, yeah, that's, that's a higher bar.
0: Yeah.
1: It generated, it was a smaller, obviously a smaller bunch of people, but it generated more long-term relationships. And the, the content that came out of it was much higher because now like none of us were rushing, like. I'm sitting upstairs, taking our time. We wrote more songs because we weren't in a hurry. Sure. And because we were able to really stay focused on that one group in front of us, where versus the Kingdom Songs model, I was running around to five rooms, Mm -hmm. you know, interjecting. And that's great. It's great exercise, and a lot of relationship stuff came out of Kingdom songs. I love, you know, there's a handful of guys that st- you know still write all the time oh, together yeah. out that came out of yep. Almetic Kingdom songs. I love that. I love seeing that too. Gosh, it, yeah. It, well, I think this is going to be even more effective to yeah. that. And so, after that week, I I decided this is the new model. So we, you know, Song Tribe was mm-hmm. born out of what was the Kingdom songs thing. Yeah. And um, yeah, I've we've done. We've even done two virtual in during COVID and yeah. it worked incredible. I had nine people in those, Amazing. and uh, it worked really great because in you know Zoom I could break them out into the rooms. Yep, I'm like, all right, you're off to your rooms, yep. and they would write, and it, it's been great. That's so, awesome. That's great. Um, we have others coming up this fall. Good. That I think are going to be in person uh, finally. Yeah, uh, we had to cancel this last month because of yeah. this COVID crazy, but yeah, people can check that out at yeah. kingdomsongs.org. Cool.
0: Awesome. Uh, anything you're excited about? on your plate right now oh man uh you know it's i'll it sounds whatever i'll just
1: say i'm just more excited about songs than i've ever been yeah i've i've never been more excited in my songwriting career about just songs getting i'm more grateful probably than i've ever been walking with gratitude that i get to show up and write songs on a daily Mm -hmm. that's becoming a weightier grateful thing for me and, and um um I, I just know when I keep my life song centric, all the other stuff works around it. Yeah, And so uh, showing up every day and doing my best to write a song that matters opens up all the other things to be excited about. You know, w- working on this... Um, project with a big organization right now that involves multiple artists and you know they asked me to write one song for this big event and yeah. I, when they sent me the vision i told them they had nine songs and i got to invite them you know my my writers around me and mm-hmm. then that turned into me getting to produce so it, it all feeds each other but yeah. it always has to start with a song Absolutely. With me. Yeah. so awesome. i'm just excited about songs i've written a lot of country this year and and before anybody you know judges me <laughs> on your podcast I love the church. Yeah. I always have I always will. You couldn't no more turn off me serving the church with worship music than I could stop breathing. Yeah. But for years I have uh, uh, uh my, well, Mike Murray, our dear friend Mike, yeah. and and his uh he was my he was my publisher at Integrity for six years, and he was incredible one of the best publishers you could ever have. Um, but he knew my angst for six years because he, he he didn't touch anything of, of the country. Yeah, and I, he, we had you know we had lunch here a while back, and his excitement now to see me push in the country world has been. It's fun to yeah. to, to, to know that I'm at a place now at an, an at curb word where I'm able to do both. So that's been really exciting. So yeah. that hence the, I'm more excited about songs this year than I've been in a long time.
0: I know you've always had that country bug in you.
1: Oh, my gosh. I just... It's legit. I mean, I grew up in a hayfield in North yeah. Texas. I mean, I, my my family... We are proud, proud rednecks, so... Well, what was the song about...
0: Well, there was one song you played for me the years ago called The Cost of Gold or a, The Price of Gold. The Price of Gold, yeah. A, a brilliant song. I wish that would find a home. <laughs> and there's several more that I can't remember that you played to me over the years. Yeah, you?
1: Tim McGraw actually had that one on hold, but holds Man. don't pay.
0: So. No, they don't. <laughs> <laughs> Those years ago. Oh, uh, well, brother, I want to wrap this up. You, yeah. I appreciate you doing this. And, Thanks for uh, having me. Uh, I, I'm not saying because we're in the red, but I am grateful for you. I would not be sitting in this room. I would not be sitting in this town without you. And, uh, my family wouldn't even look the way it does now (laughs) after adopting a a daughter from here in Nashville. Uh, it's just amazing how God orchestrates it and, uh, wouldn't be sitting in this church and in the relationships I have. So you've been the catalyst for it all. And I'm grateful for you. So love you much. Grateful, grateful for you too. So thank you, man. Thanks. Well, it seems like every time I sit down with Michael, I learn something new, and the same is true today. Very grateful for my friends, really more than a friend, a mentor, and someone who's helped guide my journey as a songwriter and a worship pastor. Uh, very grateful for him to sit down and take some time out of his busy schedule. I hope you had a chance to take some notes. I encourage you to go back and listen to this over and over again. Uh, as I do every podcast, I think you'll pull something new out of it every single time. If you haven't already, again, go over to mysongcapture.com. That's mysongcapture.com. Love for you to check out what we do. We love worship pastors. We love worship songwriters. We love great songs. And we just want to resource the church in this area. So don't hesitate to reach out. Until next time, so grateful you're with us. We'll see you soon.